hey, 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 welcome back. <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> Wait, fuck, it's not even welcome back. Hang on, all right. <laughs> in, the, in the words of Corey, let us know. You need to pull it together. <laughs> what did he say that? <laughs> in like the end? <laughs> I want to remember this. We have to keep this in here. This is funny. Okay, all right, all right. Now that I have pulled myself together, hey, 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 welcome to the inaugural episode of Besties and Book Clubs, hosted by yours truly, Tara Madam Fisher. Hello. And myself, Corinne Krasner. Hello, guys. Welcome, welcome. We totally don't have a script for we this. We totally, well, there's no script, but you know, it's okay. Um, so first, let's start off with a little bit about ourselves, because as well as this being on our episode on the Hunger Games Renaissance, it is also Sounds. the Getting to Know Us episode. Don't worry, that's not going to be too long. Um, <laughs> we're, we're extensive individuals, but we won't make you sit. We through. won't bore you. We won't. Bore, we we will not bore you. So okay, should we just shoot it back and forth? Let's just shoot it back and forth. What's your name? Okay, so I'm Tara Fisher. Hi, Tara. <laughs> Oh, and I'm Corinne Krasner. Hello, Corinne. And How old are you, Tara? I'm 23 years of age. Slay. And I'm, oh, I'm 22 years of age. And she's so much younger. Soon to be 23. Don't worry, don't worry. Yay. All right. Where'd you go to college, Tara? I went to the University of Alabama, which is fitting. We're recording this the day of the SEC Championship Roll day. tide, roll tide. They will probably lose. It's okay. You know what? As long as they're doing their best, You're so they're, right. they're number one in our hearts. <laughs> Except for they're not, because JMU is number one in my heart. Which I went to James Madison University. Go Dukes. Go Dukes. So excited. Let's go. They're a really good team. They're they actually really good, year, except yeah. for we did lose um, our first game all season the day that ESPN decided to come to campus. So that was kind of embarrassing. And I the was, Jonas Brothers were and there. And the Jonas Brothers were there, and then we lost. But you know what? We pulled we pulled it back together. We're going to a bowl. We don't know which bowl, but we're going. <laughs> I'm excited. Go Dukes. I'm a forever fan. Yay! All right, Tara, what's your favorite book? My favorite book is... To sound like a white man. Hell yeah. The Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby. You know what? Listen, there are worse books you could have chosen. <laughs> that book is iconic for a reason. That is so true. Uh, Corinne, what is your favorite book? So Maybe we should make this sound more organic. Like we are having a conversation. We feel like we are having a conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway. Okay, <laughs> but my favorite book is Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookstore. Is that really your favorite book? It is my favorite book. <laughs> it is, well, I actually, it's my favorite standalone novel of all time. I have favorite series. I have, if we're going to talk about a favorite series, and like fourth grade me is screaming, Percy Jackson has surpassed Harry Potter to become my all-time favorite thing ever but that's just because <laughs> i relate yeah. um but, but no mr Pen- yeah, yeah, but mr Penumbra, that's my favorite standalone novel i've ever read i, really I love <laughs> it it's my favorite the cover glows in the dark it's just it's so like existential but like in a good way that's the yellow cover right it's the yellow one with the books Ugh, <sighs> i love it i love it it scared the shit out of me one day because i like woke up in the middle of the night and i'm like what the hell is glowing it was the book don't worry <laughs> Don't worry. Okay, maybe I should read that. Honestly, I definitely think that you should. It's a little bit of a slow start, but I just feel like, you know, as recent college grads, there's something about it that's just like, it's about like finding your way in the world. Oh, And also with a little bit of like secret society sort of business. Which is what our podcast is about. We love that. We love it. (laughs) All right. Okay. Favorite movie. Oh my God. Oh wait, Um, no. Wait, wait, we skipped the favorite TV show. 
Oh my god, you have to come back to me. You go <laughs> first. What's your favorite TV okay, show? So I have a tier. So obviously we okay. know Friends. Yep. Friends is number one. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Oh, rest in peace. But Friends, number one. Uh, also number one, The Vampire Diaries. Yes. Always, forever. Season three is the best. Season three is so good. Oh my God. Season three, then season two, then season six, then season one, then season four, then season five, then <laughs> eight, then seven. Seven Hell is yeah. so good. The only good thing about season seven is that Stephanie and Caroline are together and we love Stephanie and Caroline. Spoilers, but this show's oh. been ended for like several years now. <laughs> oh, so. Yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> if anybody hasn't watched The Vampire Diaries, you should. You You're totally should. Out. Season three is the best. You could do what I did and start at the end of season two and just kind of go <laughs> right into it. It's really good. Yeah. And then, no, I guess those are my favorite shows. Yeah. I feel like there's more shows that I love like as they air where like mm-hmm. I'm in a face. Like The Summer I Turned Pretty. Yes. Also favorite show, but it's only my favorite show when it's on. Facts. Then it ends and I'm like, okay, moving on. <laughs> Facts. Facts. Okay. Oh my god. I, um, okay. Oh my god. I do have a favorite TV show. Well, te- I mean, I feel like it's a little bit more in the limited series category. Um, I love all of the one. I love all of the Marvel TV shows. Right. Moon Knight, specifically, because Oscar Isaac, yay, but also Judaism, yay. And <laughs> I love both of those things as I am the latter. <laughs> and, um, and I love WandaVision. I think that's so amazing. It's just, it's such a powerful story about oh. like, grief and just like acceptance and it's really great and I feel like all right uh I no I'm not gonna get hate for this but also like I'm like I have to just call it back to like like eighth grade ninth grade me Sherlock I was such a Sherlock fan when it was coming out um embarrassing because no, I was no I truly wanted to be sure I would say it was cringe it was cringe it's not cringe yeah it was a little bit cringe <laughs> but actually that's such a great tv show and I stand by it Sherlock is fantastic and I will live in hopes of another season uh slay and the okay. great movie you have to go to your favorite movie first a Titanic I think it <laughs> slay you know what that's a great movie you've never seen it I've never <laughs> we have to see it that's our next episode it's gonna be me watching that and we'll tell you our thoughts actually a good idea it's just so good it's like jack and rose and rose and jack <laughs> and the boat and, and the, the boat and the, the costumes oh the mm. costumes are beautiful and i know that leonardo dicaprio is so problematic but he is so gorgeous in this movie oh god to be 19 again <laughs> i know literally i feel like a grandmother but no yeah definitely titanic i feel like i have another favorite movie that i can't think of i love i just I love so many movies. And then High School Musical mm-hmm. was my favorite movie. A classic. Up, and I wrote my comment app college application essay about High School Musical. So we just got to throw it in there. Hell, we have to because it's a classic for a reason. You know, we were Disney Channel kids. We grew up on High School Musical. Exactly. Uh, it's just, it's awesome. Zach Efron. Love Zach Efron. I, I think that my favorite movie, okay, so I have like my favorite movie and then I have like my intellectually favorite movie. I think my favorite movie <laughs> And I could, I could be just like not thinking of anything else. I love Wonder Woman, the very first Wonder Woman. I just, cause it was, you know, there weren't, that was in the age where there, all of the superhero movies that we were seeing were men. And so I'm, and I've always loved Wonder Woman as a kid. I would used to watch the Linda Carter cartoons with my mom growing up. And so going in and seeing Wonder Woman and seeing Gal Gadot and the whole, like the no man's land scene, I came out of that movie, like absolutely like thinking I could fight 
Aww. a full grown man. I was like, someone give and me a could. sword. Like I am ready. I am so incredibly ready to square up with absolutely <laughs> anything. I, said. I was just like, is this, is this how all the men feel when they come out of like Captain America and the Winter Soldier? I was like, let me just, ugh, oh my God. Love, oh Wait, amazing who's the, movie. Who's the guy in that movie? He's Chris like, Pine. I oh, love Chris Pine. I should have known that. He's the love of my life. I love Chris Pine. I definitely, oh my God, the Christmas ornaments are falling oh off of the tree. Um, okay, and then I have two more. Um, Spider-Man, um, specifically Tom Holland's Spider-Man trilogy, um, but also I do love, um, I do love the amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, my love. Oh. But I, just, I love Spider-Man in all forms and all shapes. I'm a Spider-Man girl. Um, the Across the Spider-Verse, the amazing, all the, yes. every, every sort of like Spider-Man iteration, I love. I'm a Spider-Man girl. I am Peter Parker. I love that. And then my intellectually favorite movie. Uh, okay. Those are intellectual though. Those I are intellectual, say. but I will say, I'm a Christopher Nolan girl. I love Christopher Nolan. And I think, no, I actually, <laughs> I'm not going to say Oppenheimer. I am going to say I'm going to say both, and it's a tie, Inception and Interstellar. And oh, you know what? I is that. it a little bit of a cliche? Yes. That's no, not. But my God. It's like, valid. I love those movies so much. And the, honestly, Hans Zimmer with the soundtrack really just like nails it in in like the, the number one movie slot. Like I listen to the soundtracks like not watching the movie. The first time I saw Interstellar it was two in the morning and I'm sobbing my eyes out at the end of this <laughs> two hour and like two hour and 45 minute movie. I love that. It's just, it's so, it's so existential. They really just make you think. And I love movies that make you think. That's what I thought. I have okay. a very important question for you. Yes. What is your favorite musical artist? And, and in giving me this, you must give me your father, your son, your Holy Spirit, and your Holy Spirit alternate of your musical artist. These are like your ride or die, like would pay $800 to see them in concert. First of all, incredible um, little like, <laughs> just like ranking tier. I love the ranking tier. Okay, so we have my, wait, it goes, wait, Holy Spirit. Father. Fa so father's the biggest one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't really know. We don't have that in Judaism, so, like, I don't really know if one of them is, like, more important than the other, but, like... Well, like, I think the whole thing of it is, like, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, aren't they all the same person, right? Yeah, I so think wait, they are. So, wait, how about, you, like, your top, like, three or four ride or dies? Okay, yes. It's those, so, like, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I think they're all basically God, in essence, but I don't know. I've been to church in a long time. So, we have the Father. Okay. My Father is Taylor yes. Swift, which is such an annoying thing to say. I think a lot of people would agree with me. Um, because she's amazing right. and I'm right because I'm right so sorry that that might be basic <laughs> but she's amazing she is um, we'll be talking about her a lot we will we will because her and Travis are getting married anyway <laughs> um, more on that later <laughs> and the scoop about Taylor and Travis later tonight at 8 just kidding. Okay, that was so annoying. I'm gonna cut no, that. it's not annoying. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, Taylor Okay, so that's the father. Okay. The son is Noah Khan, maybe. Love. I love him. He's so great. And then I think it would be Olivia Rodrigo. Mm -hmm. There's your Holy Spirit. Very, yes, very girl. And then my Holy Spirit alternate is... Harry Styles. Let's, you know what? I think that's a really great. That's a really great top four. I think so too. And I and I like. Oh, I love Kelsey Bellarmine too. So is that your fifth? I have yeah. a fifth. So okay, that's my fifth. You go. Okay, so my father is Taylor Swift. As you know, like you, I'm a huge Taylor fan. I absolutely love her. I've been a fan since we were in like what the first grade. Yeah, I would like to say that she her debut was. In 2006, I was six. You were five. Yep, we were there. We were there. We were. I was listening to to uh, what's that? I was listening to um, 
He let her drive the truck. He never let. No, oh, I was listening to picture, to picture to burn the homophobic version. No, the she, didn't, version. she didn't re-read. She didn't re-record it. Wait, also, I think it's not homophobic though, <laughs> because what she's saying is like, oh, like I'll tell my friends that you're gay, so, so they won't gonna, date you. Exactly, and I, it's funny. I just love call. I just love calling that. I think it's, it's funny. Oh, it's funny, yeah. But it's like listening to that on like my friend who I don't even talk to anymore. She <laughs> on like her stereo at her birthday party. That's just Aww. that's a core memory. Yeah. But Taylor. Father, son, Noah Khan, seen him twice, would see him again. My Holy Spirit, Hosier. Yes. I love this man. I, I, are there words to describe like what Hosier's music makes me feel? I don't think so. All right. I know is that when I saw him in September, it's like, you know that like TikTok sound? It's like, uh, I was an atheist until I met Jesus in my living room. <laughs> that was me. Like I, I didn't know. I did not know what it was like to That's feel so my valid. soul ascend in the mer- in the um in the Meriwether Post Pavilion. <laughs> That's or so valid. it was either that. No, just kidding. It was the anthem. I lied. Sorry. I saw yes. him at the anthem. Oh my god, it's so good. I love him. He's amazing, and he should come to Ocean's Calling next year. I'll be there front row. Do you think I he would? Him. You know, I feel like they could. I feel like he is that he. He's popular. He's super popular and he's selling out, you know, he's selling out yeah. like crowds. And I think that they could, I think that he could be, he could be there. He's like a Noah Khan level of like famous. Yes, Which he I is. feel like is Which like why they perfect. made a song and the song is absolutely glorious. Oh God, it's so All right. I have a Holy Spirit alternate. Okay. And then I have a Holy Spirit second alternate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Me and Coach. Holy Spirit alternate, the Lumineers. Oh, I love the God. Lumineers and seeing them in Ocean's Calling like absolutely just changed my life. They were their, so good. Their music is just, it's just so, most of it's slow and most of it's sad. And I just, oh my God, I just love it. And, oh, my and my Holy Spirit second alternate, Florence and the Machine. <gasps> oh, I yes. love Florence. I wish I could be like, um, oh my God, who had, who had them at her, who had them at her wedding? Oh my God. She's in Gossip Girl. She's in Gossip Girl, and she's re- she's married to Ryan. <laughs> like oh, lively, lively. Yeah. like lively had them at her wedding. She did. She did. She I didn't know that. and she flew. She flew Florence the Machine out to sing oh. at her wedding. Oh, that's amazing. To Ryan, Go, uh, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. See, we have to cut together. this part out because I'm like notoriously bad with names. No, I so. love them. Ryan Gosling, Ryan Reynolds. Like, I was like, oh, and I was like, I know it's not Ryan Gosling, but so Florence so Machine. Cute. I love Florence the Machine. I did see them. I saw, I like, I'm not even really going to consider seeing them, like, when I saw them, because I saw them in senior year in high school. Uh-huh. I was in, like, the middle of, like, a massive panic attack, so I'm completely missing oh. Dog Days Are Over. Uh, oh, and uh, it's so, uh, yeah, yeah, in Oshiaga. Yeah, Oceaga. totally, 20 out of 10 was really mad that That's that so was sad. happening to me that time. <laughs> Would 20 out of 10 love to see her again? Yeah. Love to see them again? Ugh, oh my god. They're in um, one of the best episodes of the Vampire Diaries ever. One of their songs. What song? Is it, is it Cosmic Love? The one in like, Grey's Anatomy? Never let me go, never. Is that Oh, that's not that. Cosmic Love. That is that, that's five that, that, is Flo- that is Florence. Cosmic yeah. Love's in um, Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Wait, it goes, it goes like, uh, yeah, so that's what David and Rainer are making out of the Mattel. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. That's, that's them. I love them. Oh, Holy okay. Spirit alternate. Woo! Okay. Mm, speaking of speaking of, of the favorite <laughs> musical artists of the father Taylor Swift, what's your favorite Taylor Swift album? Evermore. It's so good. Yep. I would have to say Evermore. Let's do top three. Let's do, top, do three? top three. Let's do top three. Okay. So I think Evermore is number one. Yep. Facts. Red's number two. Facts. And then I think number three is tied with 1989 Oops. and Speak Now. 
Facts, 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 facts. Love it. I we we have I think we have a pretty similar top three and four. <laughs> so Evermore is Evermore is my number one. So good. My ride or die. I'm the Evermore big sister to my little sister's folklore little sister. And so <laughs> I just uh, it's her best album, it's and so I'll die on that hill. It's literally so amazing. Oh, I also like folklore too. Like I feel like they're similar. I just prefer. I prefer Ever- Evermore. <laughs> yeah, I, I love I love folk I love folklore, but Ever- I'm an Evermore girl. Me too. Um, number two, 1989 Taylor's version. Oh. My God, I because you know I feel like I like I listen to 1989, but re- I just I love 1989. It's so poppy. It's so fun. Fun. It's so fun. I was gonna say happy, but then you know you listen to the yeah. um, you listen to the to the vault tracks and they're decidedly not happy. <laughs> so but they're still bops. They're good. They're still bops. And then, God, I think okay, my third, my third, my third, my third. I think it's a tie. I think it's a tie between Speak Now. Taylor's version, of course, and dare I say reputation? Really? I just think that, like, reputation, you know, reputation found me when I was in my <laughs> reputation era, and now, like, it's, it's my favorite thing to do if I'm, like, doing, like, my hot girl walk, or if I'm yeah. just, like, if I just need to feel like I can, like, kick a man's ass, like, reputation. I'm putting on, I'm putting on ready for it, and I'm, like, I can so totally good. do whatever, whatever it is I need to do now. I conquer, I conquer it all. I love that. I think I'm, I'm gonna like it a lot more. I think when it, when, like, Taylor's version comes out, because I wasn't, like, in my, rep, like, I didn't have my reputation era. Like, when she released reputation, we I just couldn't just, appreciate it. I couldn't appreciate it. Like, I appreciated it for her, but I couldn't appreciate it, like, for me. Like, I was, like, I love that she did that, but I just don't, like, resonate How with old were we? That was 20. 20- 20 I think we were we were juniors in were we juniors because I was we were hang on because 1989 was 2014 we yeah. were seventh grade yes no we were eighth grade seventh or some we were somewhere in middle school okay yeah and so reputation was high school I didn't need my reputation era at that moment you know yeah. like I was just like a I was just a, a little teenage nerd like yeah. I didn't I didn't need that but now Oh then God. four years later, junior in college, I did need my reputation era, and, and then hit. she came, and and it and and it hit, and she slayed, and she came, and she slayed. Okay, and I guess we'll do like a quick little anecdote about our fruit escapade. I love little quick. I love quick little <laughs> anecdotes. I mean, God knows me, I'm gonna go on some tangents, but yes, <laughs> I'll try. I'll keep it brief. Into reading and like why we wanted to start this podcast specifically. Um, so. I started reading in the sixth grade because Mr. Nelson, our sixth, well, was he your sixth grade teacher? No, I had Mr. Whalen. Oh, so Mr. Nelson was my sixth grade science teacher. With the snakes? With the snakes, yeah. Oh my God, he had snakes in his classroom. It was actually like horrifying. He had a lot of them, I feel like. He would like feed them. Like real big ones too, right? Yeah, and he would go to the back and he would take out like a live place. It was like a big deal when he would like feed the snakes. A live one? They won't eat dead ones apparently. Oh. That's what I've. Oh my God. I know. It was horrifying. It was horrifying. But, yeah, he was crazy. But he put on the Hunger Games movie. And because the, this was, like, right after, I think, or it was, like, a few months after the first movie had come out. But, like, mm-hmm. it was, a, like, a, like, I guess, when did Catching, Catching Fire came out? Catching Fire came out the seventh grade. Okay, yes. Yeah, so Hunger Games came out fifth grade. Yeah, so this was probably, like, six or seven months before Catching Fire came out. And I was like, this movie slays. It's the best. <laughs> I have to read the books. So that, well, actually, let me go back a little bit. So I first read Twilight. Yes. And I was like, because I grew up with the Twilight movies. Yep. And then I read the books in the sixth grade. And I was like, this reading is so fun. I want to do more of it. But then I didn't. And then he put the Hunger Games on. And I was like, these books slay. I, these movies slay. I have to read the books. And then I read the books. And then it was like, 
That was oh, it. That, that was Hunger, it. It was, yeah, The Hunger Games is the very first book I ever owned. Love, really? Yeah, it was. Not this copy, though, because the other copy has, is no longer with us. Oh, but rest in peace. Rest in pieces. But it, because the other copy, I remember it had like a, I'm holding up the book. It had like a, it was like the cover was a little dented. Oh. So actually, I'm kind of glad. Was it a paperback that, or a hardback? No, it was a hardback. I guess like the dash jacket was just like. Love. Yeah. Oh god. Okay. Um. So I I think like it's fair to say to start out with all of the books that end up becoming my favorite series are ones that I am so terrified of as a child. So like case in point, Harry Potter. First, you know, I didn't yeah. read. I got a late start in Harry Potter. I read them in the fourth grade because while while I started reading in like the first grade, you know, the movies would come on like on TV, yeah. and I would be scared shitless because there would be. I guess I would just come in at like a horribly like a horribly wrong part to come in. Like yeah. you know, the Whooping Willow is like absolutely smashing the shit out of this car, <laughs> or like the Death Eaters are there. I just I would just come in and just see that and just be. So freaked out, and Knowledge. I would just scream and cry and be like, I am never reading Harry Potter. <laughs> well, flashback, flash forward to the fourth grade. You I said, to. okay, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to do it. Well, that was um, that was a really great time for fourth grade me. That began my Harry Potter era. I think, you oh. know, I read I read them all. I read them at the dinner table. I read them at a restaurant. I was oh. just I was just reading. I read them in class, like under my desk, and I would get in trouble. It's like put your put your book away, and I'm like. No, it's a really good part. <laughs> and so the same thing happened with Percy Jackson. I think oh. I was in like like the second, or I think I was in like the second or third grade. I don't remember when the first movie came out, but whenever mm. the first movie did come out, we were watching it with my cousin. We were watching it with my cousins at my cousin's house, and the fear Mrs. Dodds became a fury and like launched oh. down at Percy, and that just scared the shit out of little second grade old me, That's or however so old I was. So again, I refused to read it. I was like, I'm not reading. Reading it, these books Valid. are horrible. And then enter, you know, I've done all the, I've read all the Harry Potter books. I've read all of them multiple times, you know, by the end of the fourth grade. So then fifth so grade, good. I go and I pick up the first, the first Percy Jackson book <sighs> in my library, and then I read all of them in like, so I like burned through them. And so then I feel like most of like my high school career, like my middle school and high school career, was waiting for the next book that Rick Ryden will release. And so every year, I, like around September, I'd be like, oh my God, it's Percy Jackson time. And I would go and I would read all of the, I would read each book in like a day and a half. They're so good. And so there's that. And then in the sixth grade, my, it was my twin sister, Dory, who she'll probably make an appearance on this podcast. Yay, we love It was my twin sister, um, her English teacher, Mrs. Tracy. She was like, okay, she like handpicked like a bunch of students who were like, we know that you like to read. And so she had her own little book club. Ooh. And so we would go every Thursday after school and I would sit in the beanbag chair and just like, just read all of these books and we'd all read them together and discuss them. I read Divergent. Aww. We read City of Embers. We read Flipped. It was just a lot of like really good sixth grade books. And then... From there, the rest is history. I mean, I read Twilight in the seventh grade, Mortal Instruments, all there, and then, ugh, just... The Infernal Devices. The Infernal Devices. Oh, my God. Just absolutely just... So good. Run, just taking... I love series. I'm just... I'm such a series girl. Yeah. I never want things to end, and so just like... Yeah. Ugh, that Harry Potter book started it all. Ugh. We love, I actually only ever read the first Harry Potter book. That's, you know, I think I read, you know, I reread them now and I think the nostalgia is kind of what carries me through because also J.K. Yeah. Rowling is like a fucking horrible person. Yeah. So it's like, and so it's like knowing that, knowing what I know, but also like loving like the nostalgia of those books. Just, but you know, this is why I'm a Percy Jackson fan. I'm just, I am a Percy fan until I die. That's officially surpassed. I love 
Percy too. I love him. Let's see. Okay, so I guess we should get to right. Yeah, let's, you know what? Let's segue. Let's segue to what this inaugural episode is all about, <laughs> which is the Hunger, Hunger Games, Games Renaissance. Renaissance. So good. Specifically, oh my god, the new movie. Oh my god. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. We're talking about it, people. Oh, it's so good. Because we have things to say. So many things to say. All good things. All good things. Because the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes was, in my opinion, a very, very worthy addition to the Hunger Games series. Completely It was absolutely amazing. I wish that I wouldn't have taken so long to pick it up because... I heard it was so dark, so... Oh, see, it was really dark. See, I will say, I took me... When did it come out? Let me... What's the date? I think it came out three years ago. La, 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 la. Copyright 2020. Okay, so so this book came out in 2020. I actually, admittedly, I did not read this book until two weeks ago because... (laughs) I think it was probably over two weeks ago at this point. It was, yeah, it was a little... Maybe like three weeks ago. So I just, like, I, you know, I was like, oh, it's about snow. I hate that guy. He killed Phoenix. <laughs> Spoiler. It's been over a while. It's like, I hate that guy. And so, and I just didn't really, you know, I just didn't really want to read another book where we just try and like yeah. make us feel empathy for the main character who's obviously like a horrible person. It's right. like, this guy is so evil and you've just spent three books telling us how evil this guy is. Exactly. And I just didn't, I didn't want to read, I didn't want to read another like try and, you know, try and make the villain a good guy. Because I yeah. feel like, you know, a lot of books have done that. They have. It's like, you know, even in Harry Potter, like, oh, Snape's been this great guy all along, even though he was absolutely, like, one of the worst tormentors in that entire school. It's like, make it make sense. Yeah. Wow. So that's why I didn't read it. Um, I have eaten my words to this day. <laughs> it is so good. It is so, so good. good. And so now that I'm going out of order, what's your favorite book of the franchise? Kitchen Fire. Okay. I, yep. It has to be. It's this. I just feel like there's no other right answer. <laughs> it's so good. To save time, that's also my favorite book of the franchise. <laughs> like it's just... It was everything. I feel like, because I read The Hunger Games, and it actually took me a minute to get through The Hunger Games. Jenna, actually, like, I think I was halfway through, and Jenna was like, you have to keep reading it. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you're so right. So I kept reading it. And then I was like, okay, this actually was fire. Catching fire. Catching fire. So then I read Catching Fire, and I blew through it, and it was just so good. Like, I think it just took everything that was good about The Hunger, like the first book, and just, like, raised the stakes. It did. When did you read the first book? When? Yeah. It was the summer after sixth grade. So it was in like 2013. We don't know what, we don't, we, yeah, we don't know, we don't know what year it is, but. <laughs> it was like 10 years ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it was like so, yeah, it was like right after the movie had come out. Mm-hmm. And it was so good. And then Catching Fire made my mom drive like all the way to Salisbury. Oh my like, God. To see the movie? No, just to get the, uh, to get to the get book. To get the book? <laughs> to get the book. Because yeah, we had to, I we had to go to Target. And we probably could have gone to Walmart. I don't know. Maybe Walmart didn't have it. But we had to go. Like, it was probably sold out. It was really popular. It was. It's just so good. Like, we get Finnick. Ugh. We get Joanna. We get... We get Peta in his best era. Peta in his best era. We get... Uh, you know, just, they're just... They're kind of... They're just... They're in love at that point. And it's... Yeah. And it, take, and it takes them a little bit. But it's just... We, we really just get that... That just like organic blossoming connection, you know, without the, you know, without the pressure of yeah. the games. And, you know, yes, there is a little bit of pressure because like directly before we get this really lovely connection, Snow is like, convince me or I'll kill you and your whole family and all that. Yeah. But I just. So good. Uh, like the guard, the rooftop garden scene right before oh. they go back into the games. And it's just oh. like, that is just peak Katniss and Peter. They're just, they get that one day where they get to, you know, not be in the games. They get to yeah. not be in the trivia center with a freaking force field forcing, you know, like 
trapping them there. They just get to be with each other before their whole world goes to hell. It's and so good. Yeah. Like, because they really, like, I don't know. Like, just seeing them, like, after the first games was so good because yeah, like you said like we do see that kind of gets a we see them blossom because when i was reading the first book i honestly low-key hated katis i was like <laughs> no and like now i love her and i'm like girl like she did what she had to do to survive she, she was doing what she had to do but i was like really really hurting Peter's feelings she was and i felt so bad so to see the second book where like it it, it was more authentic mm-hmm. and it like actually became real it was so good and the interview scene oh was a favorite scene my of god the franchise she had he had me thinking that she was actually pregnant I because when i read it i was like what we were in like the seventh yeah i actually when did when did catching hang on i'm picking up the book <laughs> um, i'm picking up the book as we speak what was the, d- what was the for date on this it was 2009. Holy! Oh, that's a long time ago. Did you read it? 2009. Read. Um, I read The Hunger Games in the fifth grade after the movie came out in 2012, and then I read all three of them in like that in the span of like September-ish to March. Yeah. And so, yes, Catching Fire is the best. It, Catching Fire is the best book out of the series, in my opinion, and also is the best movie. Oh my god, by far! Like. It was amazing. Francis Lawrence, he came, he replaced Gary, and he he ate. He ate. And like not- four plus four, eight. <laughs> he did like Gary wasn't bad. Like I liked the. No, he did a great. He did a great job. I think the budget was probably smaller too. And he and you know and what Gary did was set the he set the tone. Right. And Francis Lawrence just like he ate it up. He took that and he amplified it and he ran with it. And he made it. Something. He ma- he made it what he that was that was good that was so good. If, oh sorry. If anybody watches Mike's Mike. Um, on YouTube, he's so funny. He, I recommend him. He, he, he had he and this other YouTuber that I watch, Trin Love, I think is her name. Oh my god, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, her name is Trin. She's great, and they had a, they were talking about the Hunger Games, and he was like, it should have been Oscar nominated. It should have been Oscar, and I agree. It should have been. It should have won an Oscar. He said that he felt like there was a scene that. Where it lost the Oscar, and I'm like, can't remember the scene that he was talking about. The scene where it lost the Oscar. Where it was like, this is why it didn't win the Oscar. He was joking, oh. but I can't remember the scene that he was talking about. But I was like, low key, yes, because oh, it was when it was maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking of a you I maybe mean, think of a TikToker who said this actually. Okay. So it wasn't it wasn't this guy. Okay, and it was because yes, I'm thinking of a TikToker. Okay, he said it lost the Oscar because. The first time we see Finnick, he goes, Katniss. And he sounds so British. Oh, the accent peeked through. Yeah, and he always, he sounds British too. And he goes, Katniss, remember who the real enemy is. Remember the real enemy is. Like, so you're supposed to be in North America. I love Sam Claflin. Which I think brings us to our next question. This brings us to the segue. We're segueing in. Who's your favorite character? Finnick O'Dare. Finnick O'Dare. He ate. He came. He ate. He stayed. Make you rest in peace. He is the love of my life. He, I love him. I love Peta, but Finnick, I think, edges him out just a little bit. That's, you know what? I totally can see that. I think, God, I just, I think I have to say, I think I'm just, I, I'm a Peta girl. Like, I, I, I love, I love him. You know, I just feel like, you know, I feel like sometimes he gets a lot of hate in the first, in the first book. Yeah. And in the first movie, especially if you haven't really read the books, because it's kind of like Katniss is like, Katniss is doing the damn thing. But you know he's just there. He's just there, but also he's like dying of an infection. Like, right. what is he supposed to do? That 
that's valid. I and, just, and, but you know, he's really strong. Like he fought Kato off. You know, he. Yeah. I just. I think it highlight. They highlighted that more in the book too. They did, and they did, which is why I highly recommend that everyone read the books, and especially, especially about the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I think that that well, the the movie was a very the movie was a very faithful adaptation, and it was a really great movie. I just think that you're missing things in the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes that you do not get in the movie, and also a couple a couple minor plot points are changed, and they may they seem like a little minor, but then you go and you like reread the book yeah. as I have done, and I'm like, oh my god, wait, they, it's like I like low key changed the course of you know this character's character arc, or ugh, but it's just yeah, I agree. I'm a Peter girl. And he was I'm amazing. A, he, fire, was, he was amazing catching fire. He really ate. Peter Rieslark. What he, if it wasn't for the baby? He listen. He had me thinking that she was pregnant. I and like so I was confused. I was like, she's pregnant. What? No, she wasn't pregnant. He was playing the game. Yeah. You know what? That's oh my god. Yes, that's what I want to say. Is that countless monthly games? Peta he, he played. Peta Finnick, not Finnick. Well, yes, Finnick, but Peta Hamich. And Cinna, they played, they played the, the games. games. I think Cinna, oh god, Cinna is just such a great character. And I love that, and I love that Cinna, he was one of the only people in the whole series that kind of respected her autonomy yes. and he respected her ability to make the choice to be the Mockingjay herself. Because, you know, someone said, I think in the book, in the book it was Effie, and I'm pretty sure in the, sorry, in the book it was Plutarch, maybe? I and in the so. movie it was Effie. But, you know, they were, they gave, they gave Katniss the book of Cinna's drawings and, like, Cinna's sketches for the Mockingjay, and they said, like, you know, Cinna made us promise that we wouldn't give this to you until you made the decision to be the Mockingjay on your own. Yes. Like, corn, corn, <laughs> like, coin, everyone, you know, like, they, you know, they were like, oh, we've, we done you the, the favor of, of rescuing you from the quarter quell, like, you should be our Mockingjay, but, like, yeah. you know, this is a traumatized 17-year-old who is, like, once she got put into the games, like, that was really the last decision that she made for herself and for her family was volunteering for print because yeah. everything else was done for her. Yeah. And so... I kind of wish that we saw her, like, depressive episode in Mockingjay, like, in the movie. Because mm-hmm. I feel like in the book, she was fully, like... She was committed. She was, she was... She was, like... Com- like ha- for half of the book like she was just committed she was not you know yeah. she was she was going through it as she should because as she's she traumatized and i feel like it was more realistic for like a 17 year old girl that's what uh, maybe a complaint that i have with uh, some ya books is that th- for whatever reason these teenagers they adapt so quickly yeah and it's like girl that's not realistic you're not supposed to adapt you will be you're forced to kill other children your age and then it's like and then the whole world basically makes you the face of the rebellion even though you never asked in the you know like she says to, like she says to snow i never asked for this all i wanted to do was save my sister and keep Peter alive and it's like oh. and it's like imagine like your actions having that snowball effect yeah oh she and and it worked out for the best it did it did work out for the best for the districts but it's just i feel so bad it's just they really was there no one else they could have even yeah but so young even even finnick he was 24 he was so young they were were all just so young and i just that's enough and finnick was the youngest he was one of the youngest victors ever at 14 so this has been it's been 10 years since his games but oh my god i love finnick i love i love finnick that's another i feel like issue that i have with maybe the marketing of the book is that it was like marketed as YA because Katniss is 16. Mm-hmm. I think it's very intense. Yes, I-, I can see why that would be marketed as YA. Yeah. I-, I think it is YA, but I also think it's like for a long time, adults wouldn't 
they maybe looked at the Hunger Games as like, oh, it's like Twilight. What? Because there's a love triangle. First yes. of all, it's not a love triangle. It's Gail not a love was never tri- a contender. No, can't, because Gail wasn't a contender. Because I feel like in the book, like most of the time in the books, Candace herself doesn't even know what she wants, and why should she? Exactly. She's 16 years old. Exactly. She's not, you know. But the fact that she was like a teenager, and it was, oh, this is for kids, and. I think that kids should read it, but I also think that adults should read it. Exactly. For a long time, it had that YA stigma, but the fact that Katniss is 16 and that she's fighting to the death in the arena, that is a very intentional, thematic choice about how evil the capital is, about how this is something that she's lived through, this is something she's grown up, about how the capital doesn't view children as people, which is interesting that when Kat Pita's like, what about the baby? They're like... Oh, and suddenly yeah. everyone was calling. Suddenly everyone, the second that it was like Katniss was pregnant, suddenly everyone was calling to, you know, to cancel the to games. Cancel the games. Even though they fully watched Rue get like, sta- they, you know, yeah. they fully, they, they, they saw Rue and, you know, kind of prim if she had been in Katniss' place as like this little pet. It's yeah. like, oh, look at this poor, look at this poor little girl. Oh, she's going to the arena. Oh, she's so cute. Well, She's going to die. Exactly. Like, like, it's just, it's crazy. But I just, like, I just feel like the Hunger, like, Hunger Games, it, it, I just, I don't want, I feel like I hate that it has been labeled, like, with Twilight. Yes, I so hate, long. I hate, and I hate that it got the freaking Team PETA and the Team Gale. I hate that it got the Team PETA and the Team Gale treatment. Yeah. Because, like, if you, you know, if you read the books, there wasn't really any much of a team at all. She was there just wasn't, trying to survive. She, she was just trying to survive. And like, and any type of like affection that she had for either guy, it was Peta. I'm sorry, it, it was it never was. You know, she was like, I think she, you know, I'm pretty. Sure she says like, oh, you know, it, you know, it might have happened had the games not happened, but it was just. I don't think it would have been. Re- it would have. It would have just been like a convenience thing. It, because you know they were friends and she didn't really talk to any other like boys their age. But it's just, you know, I just I think that the last. Like, one of the last sentences in the epilogue of Mockingjay was just... It was one of the best sentences of the whole book because it was, like, why she needed Peta versus why, yes. you know, why she needed Gail. Gail was a great hunting partner, but they didn't... It doesn't, you know... That doesn't mean that... That doesn't make someone a good life partner. No. Just because you, you hunt animals together. Like, right. It's a survival thing. It's a, and, you know, and they were trauma-bonded because... Or I'm not really sure if that's, like, the good... If that's, like, a the perfect definition of a trauma bomb but they you know they met when both of their fathers died in the same mine accident so you have that one event that kind of bound those two together and then you know then you start hunting and you start forming like you you know you form a relationship you both hunt to keep your families alive and that's but they you know she says in the books it's like they didn't speak for for a bunch of those years they would just hunt together in silence and they only really started to become friends you know after a while yeah but there was never any sort of romantic intention behind Katniss's exactly she didn't even she was like I just she thinks you know of people she she was like I wouldn't want to have kids like I you know yeah in the in where they are in the world you can't afford to have those people because you know it's just a it's you know it's more mouths to feed but also it's just like people are you know it's your it's a vulnerability and so that means that you know you can they can be used against you and she does learn that with Peta, and i just oh so good and i and i you know and uh it's it's really i just think it's so it's so important because even you know even finnick was like you whether you know whether you even really know what you're feeling like it's evident that you do love him even if you don't know 
even if you didn't know that's what it was. Like exactly. you do love him. Oh, exactly. And it's so beautiful. I also to kind of go back to Gail, I have a theory that yeah. Gail and Snow, same person. They're the, mm. I feel like they are the same person in different situations. They do a lot of things selfishly. Right. And I think that like we see Gail and how Cadiz describes him as having this fire. Yeah. He has this hatred for the capital, which is not it's it's deserved. It's deserved. They've I mean, taken a, they've taken almost everything from him. And his anger and how he responds with the bombs where, you know, from ends up dying and and how he is very he like he's just he's just so like focused he's so, on he's so angry violence right. all the time when he's, he's so angry what he says in Mockingjay I think it's part two the well the book but I don't know if this was in the book I can't remember but it was in the movie where he goes sometimes killing isn't personal oh he does I'm pretty sure he does say um, that in the book be, I yeah I think he does say that in the book because and so to kind of like bounce off I think and I and I think that I might have seen no, I'm gonna hang on. I'm gonna I'm gonna retract because I actually don't know. I don't I don't know where I'm going with this. But I'm going somewhere. I don't know. I don't know where I don't know where we'll end up. But it's you see in like you said. So you said that he how he said we can cut this. You said that how he said that killing isn't personal. Yeah. And because you know you can. I, it's like that line where he's like you know we've been using the same rule book that um, that when Snow used to hijack PETA, yeah. when he was you know designing the concept for the bombs that would kill some of the medics along with it, he was willing to kill people. He was willing to kill some of the people in Thirteen who were yeah. helping um, flush out the flush out the nut in District Two. Like he was in Gale's like book, you know, it's war, and yeah. so I guess that just gives you, you know, it gives you cause to kill anyone exactly and so that's not you know that's not the case because it did end up eventually kill it did end up killing prim oh and it's that i didn't really care about prim but i was oh i did i did care about prim just because i it's you know she was just like imagine like fighting so hard to save that's why she had to die and i think it was sister but it was terrible but kind of back to like i feel like snow like or gail could have been snow had gail been born into the capital because snow he grows up into this war he's poor and he blames the districts for that mm-hmm. and that is why he has so much hatred for the districts and that's why he can't yes he's psychotic like he has definitely something wrong with him but he wants to continue the games and he wants to make them into a spectacle and he goes for it and i feel like his anger towards the district is the kind of the same that Gail has towards the Capitol. And it's like, and, and so, and now we're segue, and now we are segueing into our Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes discussion. Yes. But, but wait, to, oh yeah, go ahead. But to like, to kind of continue on with that, he doesn't just have this anger towards the district. He has this revulsion. Yeah. And you know, and he spends so long of trying to, you know, of trying to like coach Lucy Gray and trying to get the Capitol to see her as... To, to not see her as district because he's aware he doesn't see the people of the district as human and nor does the capital they just yeah. see them as they don't see them as you know they don't see them as things and so he fights so hard to be like oh this girl she's not district she's cubby like she's something else entirely exactly. and that's why you should give your money to her to rationalize not just yeah to rationalize that and to rationalize his quote unquote feelings for her which mm-hmm. were more about possession than anything it were I don't think he was in love with her but you know maybe some people do and I, I, I feel like there was he loved her how he could love her yes there was I feel like there was there was love but it was more about loving like that she was hers that, right. sorry that she was 
his. It was, yeah, there was a, I think that the love was, oh, like, clouded by possession. Mm-hmm. How we called her my Lucy Gray. He was, Every you know, second. it was my Lucy Gray. And there was, you know, there was one, there was one quote when they were in District 12 and it was like, well, and, you know, and this was in the book because this wasn't, you know, in the movie, unfortunately, which I'll get to in a second, we <laughs> did not have that inner monologue. Which is in so the, important. In the I book, think. there was, you know, when he was in the district, he was like, he was looking for Lucy Gray. And he was like, he said that he almost rather having her in the games because that way he could always, like, see her and he always knew where she was. Whereas in District 12, she's her own person again, as much as she can be after the games. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just, it's like... There, yes, while there is love, his love is he wants to just to control. Right. And it was ugh. It was so disgusting. But in the movie, unfortunately, well, that was what I think was very purposeful in the movie is that it would it it was very easy for us to say, oh, he's in love, and for us to mm-hmm. kind of see it like because it's through snow or exactly snow. I think in the movie we're not necessarily seeing it through snow but mm-hmm. he is the main character yeah so we're super like okay like we, he's know. a good person and it's kind of I think great that like it was so purposeful that it's like no it's actually really easy to be charmed by someone psychotic is. that's the whole point and because he was so and because he was handsome and he was charming and he was unfortunately he, he was, is so attractive he was in the so movie. handsome and so charming. shout out to tom Blythe's performance as cory lana snow because he did an exceptional job as did everyone in that movie that the cast was stacked and it oh was there was really incredible performances like pulled off by all of them rachel ziegler did an amazing she job. was fantastic as lucy gray she, she was so charming too and i love that she was so different than katniss she was and you know and i feel like and because something that I like to do is I like to read the I like and this is horrible and you know maybe I torture myself a little bit but I read social media comments (laughs) and so and I just because I want to you know I want to see what society is thinking about that and so on these and so on these all like on the trailers it's like oh they're just trying to make Lucy Gray into another Katniss this is bad and I'm like well this is how this is why reading the books are so important is because you can clearly see that Lucy Gray and Katniss are so incredibly different I mean they use they're like they Katniss used their, was good at yeah Katniss they used so, their strengths exactly Katniss was good at survival she was good with the bow and that's how she won and Lucy was, good, was good at charming at, she was good at she was charming and she was good at charming people like yeah. and that's kind of how Coriolanus survived as well is because he was charming and so he would lie to all of his classmates and pretend that the snows still had as much power as they did yeah because it was just you know it was a survival mechanism even I, when they were literally starving. Not unlike some of the people in the districts. It's good that he was so charming because he was a terrible liar. He was absolutely a horrible liar. Oh, who's the third person you killed? Myself. Uh, okay, this isn't a Taylor Swift music. It's not the Taylor Swift music, but it's also like, of course she, but you know, of course Lucy Gray saw through that because she was like, I value trust more than anything. Do you think that she saw like that was the first moment that she said this guy is sketch as hell, or do you think that was maybe like the breaking point? I think that 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 was that. I think that was the breaking point because yeah. we had seen in the movie because so in the books, and this is why, and this is why the book is always just a little bit more. The book is a little bit just a little bit more supreme to me is because we see from page one that Coriolanus Snow is psychotic. Literally. We see him and he is, you know, he thinks about selling his cousin into, like, prostitution. Page. On, like, the, you know, like, a, she called, he called her, 
a sweetness that invited abuse. Like you, you're thinking these things about your family. That's your member? cousin. That like, is your cousin, and she is trying to do everything to keep you and your family from starving, like you are. Please. And it's, you know, just you see, he has these really horrible moments of of like the way he thinks and you see that in the book and you don't necessarily see that in the movie because you know yeah. there's no voiceover okay, yeah. so where was i going with this oh i, I was going with this <laughs> because and i think to kind of answer your question it was definitely like that was the that was the last straw because yeah. i think when she saw when she saw him punch um Billy, uh, oh, Billy, that. Billy Tope. Yeah. So she, when he, like, he went, he punched Billy Tope, and he, Snow will do this thing where he will just, he will, he will, like, he will feel so powerful yeah. from inciting violence, and so he's just beating the shit out of Billy Tope when wild. it was like one punch. You know, he was down in one punch, but then yeah. he just keeps going. In the same thing, how he killed Bobbin. How he killed the he, yeah. he, you know, he defended himself from Bobbin. And then he liked the way that that made him feel, so he finished him off. Exactly. And again, when he killed Mayfair, he just says, he was, was, Snow was incredibly impulsive. Or that, that at least was very impulsive. But yeah. he saw that he had one way out, and that was killing Mayfair. And he just went and he just killed her. And he didn't feel bad about it at all. He was like, okay, well, this is what I have to do. Exactly. And he, like... He rationalizes. it. He does. He's, He's so good at he rationalizing. He rationalizes it. everything, even though that you're trying to rationalize something away and you cannot, you cannot, yeah. you should not be able to rationalize it away. How yeah. he rationalized giving Sejanus over to the Capitol. Yeah. And it was actually, this reminds me of, I feel like that's why the book is so important because you see this ras- rationalization more than in the movie, but it reminds me of you, if you um, saw that show, how. There isn't like there's a voiceover. There's like Joe is mm-hmm. narrating in that show. If you don't know you, he's like a stalker, a murderer. But we're seeing it from his perspective, and it's like the same thing. It's really easy to be like, you know what, you were right. You did have to kill that person. Yeah. And then you're like, wait a minute. He's so good at rationalizing. And I think in the book we see that rationalization, and in the movie we don't get to see that because there is no voiceover. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think that there should have been. I just think that to see to read the book is important to actually like get more of a scope of how psychotic he actually is. It is because it's just otherwise you just get lost in the dreamy blue of Tom Blythe's eyes and then oh, it's like so and then you get so <laughs> caught off guard by the last 10 minutes of him, you know, of him and Lucy Gray and he just starts shooting at her. Yeah, and you're like where did this come from? But it's because it, he's, he's paranoid. He's got to tie up he, you know, he, he thinks he's to tie those loose ends because he is you know, he thinks that he like yes, he committed the he committed that crime. He killed, he did kill Mayfair, and so but yeah. he thinks that he's like that's the end of, that's the end of it. That's the end of his life, and he just thinks that he you know he has to cover that up so he can get back to being in the capital in power. Exactly. Oh my God, it's so good. I just uh, please you should totally read the book. This is also this is not spoiler free, and I feel like we should oh, we should have mentioned we should have done we definitely should have done. If you're clicking on this podcast, which I hope a lot of people do, um, I feel like they would know. This is this is not. We'll put it in the caption. No, we no. will put this in the caption. In <laughs> but to anyone who is listening and who has been spoiled, I'm so sorry. That's my bad. It's okay. It's okay. We'll put it in the caption. We'll put it in the caption. But yeah, like, oh, just the. <sighs> I I know a lot of people are like, okay, now that this book came out, I want to see Hamish's game and I want to see uh, Phoenix's game, Annie's game. 
Joanna, agree 1000%, but I do think that like it's not about it's it's the I, games. Right. It's not about the, you know, it's about the control and the power. And I feel like the reason why we saw this game why we saw the 10th game is because you, we needed to see how Snow became, you know, how Snow got to be where he was. And this is the start of that because exactly. you know, because at the at the very end of the book, spoiler, but if you've seen the movie, you know, this happens in the movie as well. Yeah. He begin you know, he studies under Volumnia Gaw and he becomes, you know, he learns the tricks of the trade to be a game maker and he I and this was my favorite th- this was like, you know, not my favorite thing, but this was a really this was a really cool detail that I think Suzanne Collins incorporated uh-huh. into this is because the very you know, the beginning and the middle of the book Snow was horrified of Dr. Gall. He was terror. He was terrified of her. Yeah. He was like, I wish that she would just leave. She's horrible. She is, you know, she is psychotic. Like this woman is going off to go eat her milk and crackers. And she just like, and I'm pretty sure she just killed my friend Clemencia. Yeah. And so by the end, the fact that he is okay with spending that much time with her and he is like, and he, you know, and he willingly sends the Jabberjay to her. Yeah. It's like, She's training him to be... She's the real... Not to say that Snow's not a villain, but she is also the real villain because I think Snow always had this... Like, he was... he. I think this was maybe always how he was going to end up and how he was always... This was always going to be his path, but she facilitated she it. She did. She, like... She lays... You know, he was going to be... He was going to be present. He had that ambition. He had that drive. But she really, like... In under her under her guiding hand, he really did see, you know, yeah. his point or her point of the Hunger Games, and really he got and he, you know, he got the tools to continue them and to yeah. make them arguably so much worse than they were. Oh my God, so much worse! Just going from look like watching this movie and seeing the arena is just it's, it's just, just an arena. It's just it's the arena and you know yes the they're, and they're doing it for they're doing it for sport and they're doing it for the entertainment of the capital citizens but by the start of the 10th Hunger Games no one's watching because exactly. it's you know when we get to the it's catching fire and the arena it's like so intricate. It's so it's so intricate and it's there are like more horrors stock. year after year and it's just it's 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 insane how and, yeah and speaking and just because I, I know that i mentioned that speaking of so one thing that um one thing that tara and i did one thing that as we were reading uh-huh. every time i saw a new name i had to look oh. it up <laughs> i had to see i was like because was suzanne so collins doesn't suzanne collins doesn't do anything she doesn't do anything without thinking of it and so no. all of the names in this book especially were so intricately placed yes. and so volumnia so coriolanus is a shakespearean it's like it's um, it's like a tragedy. And it's about I can't you know I since I go since I Wikipedia the plot I can no longer really remember. <laughs> but it's just it's it's a tragedy about like this politician. Yeah, Coriolanus. Volumni is the name of his mother. Oh. And so that's where she got Volumni Gall, and I just you know she the detail is insane. The, like she's a genius. I'm sorry. She, she is. Tuesday Collins for president. She's incredible. She's she's a genius, and she doesn't do anything. You know, she doesn't do anything without seeing it. And so I just that's why I also love rereading all the books because every time I do, I just discover more details. And I yeah. love especially I just I loved 
you know, Googling the names of all of these, of all of the mentors from the Battle of Songbirds and Snakes and seeing how they related to, and seeing how they related to Greek, Greek and Roman mythology and Roman politics. And it was just so cool. Like, where's, do we have a list? I don't know, but that was so funny. The list of all, of all of the mentors. Blah, 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 blah. I'm looking through the I'm lo- I'm looking through the book as we speak. Okay, yes, here we go. Like Io and Persephone and Festus. Festus means happy in Latin, and Apollo. So uh, I thought that this was I thought this was this was funny and cleverly done. So districts. Um, so the Ring Twins, who both die in the book at the um, um, during the bombings, their names are Apollo and Diana, who are the Roman you know the Roman for- the Roman forms of Apollo and Artemis, oh the God. famous twins in Greek mythology. It was just. It was so cool. Arachne, Crane, Gaius, like they, Androlocles, Clemencia, Felix, Lysistrata. They all just have so, they, all of these names are so rooted in Roman history. And I thought it was just, it was so clever of her. And, and I know, and I, and I'm going to, and I'm going to just talk about my favorite, um, Arachne Crane, and I'm yes. so, and I, and so, um, I was made aware of this. Uh, one of my favorite Hunger Games TikTokers, her name is Lefty. Oh, I love her. And so <laughs> she's 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 so intelligent. And so as she was talking about Arachne Crane, who was the predecessor, who was the um, like the great 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 grandmother yeah. of Seneca Crane, and how they both met their end because they how they both met their end by being so like what's the word. They were so. They like dangled um, a carrot. They dangled a carrot. They were so. Um, oh my God! I'm. I'm. I'm not even. <laughs> they thinking. were. They were. What's I, the word? Kind of arrogant. Arrogant. They were yeah. so arrogant to <laughs> like dangle a carrot of of something in front of a desperate person's face, and that's yeah. how they both lost their lives. Sene- Seneca with the berries and Arachne with the food that she was dangling in front of her tribute brandy. It was just. It was so. It was so interesting, and I love the Carol way that. So good. And I love the way that. And again, I love the way that Suzanne Collins ties all those things together. It's so interesting. And it, it really does make every reread more more interesting. So read the book. You will not disappoint. It's I just so even read reading the book from Corey Lannis' perspective, like alone, it's just it's such it's such a jarring experience because this man truly believes that everything that he is doing is right. And yeah. And how like I just like how easy I feel like like that's why a lot of people reading or what that see the movie and all the TikToks about like us coming out of the movie simping for snow. Yeah, it's like it's yeah, it's it's so purposeful. He's so charming, but he's you know, he knows that he's hot and he, he knows <laughs> he knows that he's attractive in the book and he uses that to his advantage. Exactly. I also feel like reading the book it's more easy to be like, Okay, whoa. Yeah, you're definitely it's a lot you're you know, you you don't get caught off guard by his rampage by the end because on page four you're like, oh my god, this man is this man is insane. Exactly, and I feel like you're kind of being rationalized. Like you're you're like, okay, wait, maybe he's right. In the movie, I think it's also really easy to just be like, he's hot, like mm-hmm. love he, him. In he's the, hot, and he oh look, he loves Lucy Gray. Exactly, but, but in the book, you're like, okay, this guy's a little off. Yeah, it's like oh like uh, you know, it seems like he loves Lucy Gray, but you know, as she's telling him the story of how she was, she's telling like the, she's singing the song of how she was named. He's like, oh, boo, a ghost yes. story. So boring. Like, he's, okay, bitch, go fuck he's, yourself. He's, con- he's so condescending in everything that is not capital. And you, yeah. and he, and Sejanus says something about 
cap sustain says something about being part about being from district two and snow in his you know in his ever running mo internal monologue in the books is like oh boohoo like you're so all of your capital all of your capital well um like riches and wealth are just yeah. are wasted on you because you you know you yeah. just can't see yeah you're so stuck in being district two it's like oh you're such a loser <laughs> it's so horrible but it's just so good. I think that everybody should read the book. I, I definitely haven't even that, finished. But book. I, but you know what? It's but you're but you're reading it. You're, I'm reading it. I'm you're actually the, you're on the path. I've been further along than this. That's a lie. Hell yeah! I'm hold, I'm holding her copy. <laughs> it's just oh, so good. See, any oh. other any last thoughts? Last yes, I do have a last thought. Remember we were taking that walk. And I said that thing about Peter and Snow, and we were like, say that for the pod. Yes. Wait, I, which one? Which one? I wrote it in my notes. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, wait. So apparently something's happened in the, happening in the Bama game. Oh. Okay. Oh. We will. Anyway. Anyway. That's for a different podcast. <laughs> Maybe. That's when we try and make sports analogies. Yeah. Okay. I. That one. That pod's never seen the light of day. Literally. Oh, my God. That would be so funny. Oh, okay. okay. I always said that, like, Peter is kind of a foil for Snow, because... They're both like pretty manipulative, mm -hmm. but Peter uses his manipulative is like kind of for good, and like Snow is obviously uses it for bad. I think that's so interesting how Peter he where he makes the capital love him when he was like, oh, when like he's talking about the girl that he's in love, and Caesar mm -hmm. was like, also first of all, side note, Caesar is amazing and I love him. And uh, um, I, I also think that he's super interesting. The ultimate nepo baby, literally the ultimate nepo baby. I don't think he was also that evil. Like I feel like he was just. He he just had to feed into the propaganda because they, if he didn't, he I was going like to die. I feel like most of the capital citizens, they were just feeding into the propaganda. They didn't, you know, they didn't know. they grew up in that life. They don't really know anything different. Exactly. And I love Effie. But but he what he made, he was like, oh, she came here with me. Like, it was true, but it, it was, was, it was it manipulative. Was, it, was, it was definitely manipulative, especially when, you know, when he didn't. And I mean... I, if I was Pete, I don't know if I would reveal that information to Katniss either just That's because so embarrassing I would him. be so embarrassed. <laughs> I'd be like, holy fuck. But I do see that. And yeah. I raise and I raise you. I think that Peta could also be a foil for Lucy Grime. Yeah. Oh, because they were both, you know, they both didn't have the stereotypical like tribute Yes. Like, tribute, you know. They weren't, like, like fighters. They weren't, you know, and yeah. while they were they were fighters, but they weren't... They weren't survivalists. They, yeah, they, you know, neither of them really knew how to use a bow or a sword or, you know, or, yeah. like, any of, like, the typical weapons of the Hunger Games. Both of them really knew how to manipulate the crowd. Exactly. And so that's how they got... That's how they made people love them. How they played the game. That's how they played the game. And so I think that... And so I definitely, I definitely think that they both remind me of each other. Yeah, I see well. that. I see that. Okay, your last thought. Um, shit, that might. I think that might have been. That might have been it. Those were the last thoughts. Oh God, I'm trying to think if I have any because you know I definitely know that I. I'll always talk about something for long. I'll always oh, talk about something. Wait, longer. should we do top five characters from the whole franchise? Yes. Okay, you go, you go, and I will follow. Okay, I'm gonna say. Finnick, yes. Peta, yes. Effie, yes. Hamish, yes. Joanna, and I think top five alternate. I think I have to have our alternate. Um, oh my god, they were Lucy Gray. I love yes. her. She was great, and I also think Snow is a very interesting character. He's so he's so interesting. He doesn't have to be good to be a good character. And I and, and to and to that and to my and this will be my last <laughs> thought now that I've thought of something okay. is that wow and so. 
you know, kind of calling back to my earlier comments about not really wanting to read the book, I'm so happy that yeah. he, that she did not shy away from making this man an incredibly interesting villain yeah. who stayed, you know, it wasn't like he had, you know, something bad happened to him and that's why, I mean, of course they all had something bad happen to them. They all went through the dark days, but yeah. it wasn't like that, you know, his experiences in the dark days weren't, that wasn't like the sole reason why he was, oh, I'm just gonna, I hate everyone, I hate everything. And she didn't try and make him seem like a good person before this bad incident happened to him. Like, he was just, right. you know. I think that's maybe where he differs from Gail, too. It was, yeah, because Gail. To give Gail a little credit. Yes, yeah. because Gail, you know, he he's, you know, he's traumatized. And he copes through his trauma by trying to get revenge on the people who have wronged him. Exactly. Versus Coriolanus, he believes that everything's owed to him. He deserves it because he is a snow. And, you know, snows land on top and he deserves, he deserves to have, you know, everything that he wants. Yeah. And so, and I'm just, I'm, and again, I'm just, I'm so happy that we just didn't try and make him into a good man. Yeah. I, that's such, I think such a great, like, final thought is that he wasn't a great man and that's he wasn't. okay. He you was, could be a terrible guy and a good, and an interesting character. And an interest, and he was such an interesting character. Yeah. And he, but he wasn't a good man. Oh, okay. Who are your top okay, five? Okay, top five. Um, Six, however many. Okay. Uh, t- yeah, top five and a couple alternates. <laughs> um, mm, okay. Oh, also I'd like to say, I didn't say Katniss in my top five. I still love her. It's just that I like You have thoughts about, other, you have thoughts about other people more. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know if this is in order, so I'm just gonna name. This is my top five's not in order, just because I, I you know, either, I love yeah. all of them for different reasons. I love Peta. I love Finnick. I I'm an Annie Cresta girl. Oh, I wish I just, that we learned. I wish, and we, saw I wish more that of her. we knew more about Annie. But I just I agree. think that I think that she she's such an interesting character. I love Lucy Gray. Love. Reaper from oh, I love Reaper from the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes was one of he was one of my favorite tributes just because I thought that he was such an interesting parallel to being like the Grim Reaper because he yeah. never in the books he doesn't kill anyone he okay. never kills a single person in the other than other than I think right. in the initial like trying to get away from anyone and yeah. then he just spends the rest of his time in the arena trying to give these tributes a last like their last like vulnerable you know so you know good. you're dying or you're you know you're dead he tries to pay give them dignity that's yes. the word he tries to you know have them go to their deaths with, with dignity the symbolism of him ripping with the, the curtain flat. down the, he rips yeah. the cur- like his last his last at his last moment is to pull the curtain over before he dies to pull the curtain over another dying tribute that is just oh and it's how, so good and he just he carries dill into the sun and lets her lay in the sun one last time while she dies it's just and so he was one of, he was one of, he's one of my favorite yeah. characters in the whole series because you know you don't really you don't really see that and then okay so i who have i said i've said pita finnick fresh lucy uh Lucy, Peta, Finnick, Reaper, Annie Cresta. <laughs> Reaper, not Thresh. Um, Annie Cresta. And, and I'm going to say Katniss just because yeah. I, love, I love spending all that time in her head getting to see her, getting to really see her thoughts and feelings because she is just, you know, she, she's also just such an, in, an interesting character. She is. And, I, you know, I feel like a lot of the YA things, they do this whole, oh, I'm not like other girls. But Katniss doesn't even... You know, it's not like she she subscribes to the not like other girls like policy. She just she, you know, she just 
genuinely doesn't really view the world that way. And so she was so surprised when Madge came to, like, yeah. give her the pin because she, you know, she didn't really think they were friends. She just doesn't really... She doesn't have the privilege to see the world she that just, way because she she's doesn't. just too focused on keeping she's her family alive. She's too focused on surviving keeping her family alive. And I... And I just think that she's she's just a really cool character. I do love Katniss. There, she's so I good. Know, and I love and I love all these characters. I could talk for several more hours about. It's just so good about and, this book series because uh, I think that Suzanne Collins. I think that this truly is one of the greatest one of the greatest books of our generation. I agree. Not only because of the writing, but and because of the subject matter. Just because it it has such it like. It introduced young, you know, younger, and this is why it's why it introduced yeah, younger yes. audiences to concepts such as control and power imbalances and how, you know, the government can do and like, you know, yeah. tyranny and just, it's I'm not so saying good. this super. No, but not, I agree. You're, no, you're right. You're right. You are saying it good. <laughs> and yeah, and that's just, that'll it's, be my, my last note. Oh my God. Well, this was, oh wait, also, I just want to say, what do you think is the best song from any of the soundtracks? Because I think that uh, We Remain by Christina Aguilera is a forever oh, underrated God, song. So I listened to that song on repeat in 2013. Can I have a top three? Yeah. Okay, so number one is Safe and Sound by Taylor Swift. As you know, listen, I'm a Swifty, so, but I just, I also, I love that song so much, even if you take it out of the context of The Hunger Games. I just, I love that song. It's so, it's so beautiful, it's so haunting, and I love it. Yes. Um, Yellow Flicker Beat by Lord. Wow, such a good song. Amazing. I think that Lord, you know, she ate. She, she showed ate. up and she knew that she was going to create something amazing. <laughs> and Gail's song with the Lumineers. And even though it's about Gail, who I choose not to think about, <laughs> I just think that it's such it's such a gorgeous, haunting song. And it's, it's I love it. I agree. I would also say that I like all of those. And I like Eyes Open, too. Eyes Open, yes. And I like this. What's the song that Olivia Rodrigo wrote? She can't catch me now. Can't catch me now was also amazing. I love it. Oh, and I love how she used... And I love how... It's very clear that she used the events in, you know, in the book as they usually do, but it just it has such ties into the actual events of the book, and so I think it's so cool. I do. I think that I love because I feel like Olivia is like our age. She's mm-hmm. like a she's, couple years younger. Year I think she's younger. around our age, and so she probably had the same like she had phase. probably had the same Hunger Games phase. <laughs> so which she is was so there. cool. Oh, oh, right. Well, All I right. guess we should end it. End I guess. It. And that is, so that brings us to the end of our inaugural episode of Besties and Book Clubs. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm sorry I cut you no, off. No, don't be sorry. I was going to say, like, thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you for listening. Yes. Um, so we will be back. We will be back. You'll hear me. You will. This is not the last of us. Don't worry. Um, so please, if you listened to this episode, please listen to the next yeah, one. Yeah, please. <laughs> Oh, if you make it, if you made it all the way to the end of this episode, what's your favorite? Who are what's your top five Ooh. Hunger Games characters? If you made it all the way to the episode, and yes. even if you haven't, like that's totally okay. This is a long one. This is so this long. This is a long and our girl episode. But I think I think it's good. I think it went well. I think it's awesome. This is so much fun. I am. I'm so excited to do more. Thank you but so thank much you. for listening. Once again, we are your hosts, Tara and Corinne, and we will see you guys next time. We will see you guys next time all right signing off for now bye